ridiculous. the pod episode 37 where we always discuss the latest nebraska issues i'm stephanie and here with me today are april and melody we also have returning guest amanda with us welcome amanda hi good to be here hello well How we you? had to bring in amanda because you guys know you know what today is it is probably i mean you never really know if something really sexy comes up we might have another one but it is probably the last episode of the year of 2020 of 2020 mm-hmm. this is like the only good thing that come out of 2020 is the pod restarted again mm-hmm. oh, was... well we fell by the wayside and then zoom was like we can do this we can do this and now we'll now we'll probably always do it this way because mm-hmm you can still do it when your kid is crying in bed and you can still do it when the weather is bad. <laughs> well, what people maybe don't know is when we did the podcast before, we would all get around a kitchen table. And so it was really, you had the time it took to record, pre-chat, post-chat, but then also the drive time. And then you're together and you're like, well, let's drink a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. And so it just was a huge, like six hour time commitment, approximately. And so, switching to a digital format where we can talk to each other, it may bring in guests easier. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to really struggle to coordinate that. I mean, it just, oh, I'm so glad we figured this out this year because it has been really like a bright point in a hard year to be able to come and talk to you women week after week. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, there's still wine. Well, yeah. Nobody has to. Nobody has to drive home. (laughs) So you guys are all classy, and you're into wine, and I'm just throwing back some beers here in my house. Um, What kind of what kind of bougie beer do you have? Well, right now I'm drinking a Sierra Nevada Tropical Torpedo. (laughs) I don't know if that's so. Let's let's be clear. Amanda called the wine drinkers classy. Yeah, and she's like, I'm drinking the bougiest beer I can find. It's a tropical <laughs> <Yeah>. torpedo. <laughs> true. I am a little bit of a beer snob. That's true. Well, I, I'm just going to say, ladies, I do love doing this pod via Zoom, but in the aftertime, we're going to have to get together and have a an in-person pod. We'd be yeah, like... We did get together this summer for our... Outdoors. Out, yeah, social distance, wearing masks. Yeah, we did. We did have a little mask wearing to do, and there was booze involved. Mm-hmm. Yes, yep, and some bougie beer that I purchased. <laughs> I thought that was last year. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I want to. A lot of bad things happened in 2020, and I want to, you know, kind of remember some of that stuff. But before before we get into that, Amanda, you. 
Seeing Red Nebraska was your idea. A group of us were just talking, we're hanging out back when we could do that. Almost three years ago, we're about to have a birthday. And you had this idea and you said, let's call it Seeing Red Nebraska. Can you talk about what, let's talk about that. Why did you pick Seeing Red Nebraska? Why did you think it was important to start uh, a statewide media progressive blog space? Yeah, um, well, you know, generally I I would maybe roll my eyes at an idea like that in some context because I think for the last, you know, eight to 10 years or so, we've we've had a lot of problems in this country and probably beyond with um, keyboard activism, right? With lots of yelling into echo chambers and anger online and signing completely ineffectual online petitions and garbage like that, that really does nothing except make make people feel like they've done something active while simmering in their own rage in their living room. <laughs> so I am usually of a mind to persuade people to kind of leave their homes, right? When, when they are exercised about something, go to your legislature, um, engage yourself in an organization that does something real. But, you know, it, it, it just has really jumped out at me over the many years I've lived in Nebraska. I've, I'm a transplant, but I've lived in Nebraska so much longer than I have anywhere else. I consider it my home state that this is a single party control state. And Mm -hmm. the, the Republican party controls everything in the state. And we can point to things like the Lincoln city council, the Lincoln city government as a, as a blue spot, a bright spot, but even that has an asterisk next to it, right? Because there's always this kind of um, threat from someone like Pete Ricketts that keeps our city government from being able to do what it needs to do. Um, so even even these little blue splashes here and there that we might have are always more like purple. And not only not only do the Republicans control the government in our state, but the media is so beholden to them, right? We have we have very few thoughtful professional journalists, investigative journalists. We do have a few. Chris Dunker comes to mind, right? But we have so so few of them. And so the kind of default way that news gets reported in Nebraska is just the path of least resistance, which means um, Republican talking points. We have so many news articles we read in Nebraska that sound like they're just verbatim memos that were sent to them from some corporate interest or um, political spokesperson. And it, it increasingly felt to me that this was a real problem in our state that from top to bottom, right, that there were, there were few, if any, narratives in, in, the, in the public sphere that were challenging this kind of default way of thinking about and talking about politics and policymaking in our state. And on a, on a maybe more subtle, but I think more important level, it just makes you feel like you're kind of losing your mind when you live in a state like that, because you're looking out at, I mean, name your issue. And I know we're going to cover a lot tonight, right? But the, the just thorough knitted into the fiber of everything racism in the state, the misogyny of the news. Mm -hmm. I mean, from top to bottom and you, there are so many of us that are at home thinking, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Like you see these things time and time again, and you think, how did this happen? 
how did so many people go along with it? How is it being reported in this brush under the carpet way? And that we really needed somebody to be what I guess they call the first dancer, right? (laughs) In this way, right? The one who's willing to kind of stand up and say like, no, wait, we're going to create a space for an alternative narrative. And that sounds like it's secondary or inferior, but really, you know, of course, what we, what we firmly believe is the more accurate narrative, the more accurate interpretation of what is going on um, in the state of Nebraska. And we're not doing it for money. I wish we were. <laughs> we're not doing it for fame or glory. In fact, a lot of us have gotten, you know, had to, had to pay some personal consequences for what we do here. But what we're doing is we're trying to put something out there that says, um, no, what you're seeing here is fucked up inertia, uh, laziness, um, complicity, from top to bottom. And if you've been seeing this and feeling this for however long, you are not crazy. You are not alone. There are others like you that see this. And we're going to provide a thoughtful interpretation from the left so that you can um, be more cognizant of this problem and know that you're not alone, that you have a community in the state. And so that's why, that's why, as you know, we were talking about all of this stuff a few years ago, I thought that something like a blog would be really important. And then, you know, we were trying to come up with a name for it, I think, for a little while. And I liked the play on words of seeing red Nebraska because seeing red, of course, meaning like you're so angry, right? <laughs> that you're that you're seeing red. And also that we are just literally seeing red Nebraska. We are here to see and document and witness what's happening in a red state, the red state of Nebraska. And that's the purpose of our blog. And then of course, you guys had this idea for a podcast, which is just brilliant. And I love it. And I'm a little annoyed that you're saying that this is the last one of the year. <laughs> as, a, as a loyal listener, I don't want that to be true. So, um, but that's, that's sort of the history of how we came to be and, and, the, and the name. Yeah, so that is a really good lead-in. I went through all the blog articles from 2020, and that does not include, you know, all of the righteous social media that happens on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and to be clear, you know, Seeing Red is a co-op. A lot of people don't realize that. Like, it is many, many hands at the wheel of seeing red. So depending on how you're consuming your content, probably somebody different is in charge of it. Um, So I didn't even cover the social media stuff, which is really, really great. I just looked at the long form blog articles. And what I, what stood out to me was how much we were talking about racism Mm -hmm. in January of 2020. So this is pre-COVID, this is pre um, uh, all of the Black Lives Matter protesting that happened after George Floyd was murdered. This is just day in, regular kind of day in Nebraska, um, talking about racism. Fire union chief in Omaha was fired because he was a racist, and then he went to a judge and said, well, you shouldn't fire me because you didn't fire the cop who was a racist a couple of years back. And the judge was like, yeah, that, that's a good point. You can have your job back. 
and then he got his job back. Um, the city of Plymouth called Cyril Pearson, who is a diversity, anti-racism, kindness expert. Like she does, goes around the country giving these talks. This principal recognized that the students were having a racism problem back in January, had her come in, give a talk, the students were very racist. And then the principal basically threw him, threw her under the bus in his remarks and kind of insinuated that she uh, caused the students to have a racist response. So that is, I found that really shocking that, you know, we were talking so, and the stories were so big and gross. And, and then when, George Floyd was murdered, people were like, I'm shocked. I had no idea there was racism. And you know, um, speaking of the issue that that kind of early 2020 article, which I wrote about Furiel and her visit to, um, uh, I think it was Plattsmouth, right? Yeah. High school. And she'd also been to Mullen, Nebraska. Right. And a similar had, incident happened. That's right. So, you know, what tends to happen with her is a school hires people who at the at a minimum, and sometimes they far exceed this, right? But at a at the minimum, they have gone out in the world, they become teachers, administrators, whatever, right? They're they're in the high school and they're like, man, we have one or more clicks of racist shits in our high school. And this is not right. Um, it's not right on so many levels. It's not right to their peers. Um, it's not right. And in fact, uh, well, I just re remembered another one off the top of my head, but it's not, it's cruel to their peers. And we are not really doing our best as educators if we allow this to persist in our mm -hmm. high school, right? If we allow this kind of culture to persist, we're not preparing them for the outside world because try to take those attitudes in, into many major job markets in the United States and see where you get, right? When you have attitudes like that, see how employers view you when they're looking to hire people. So they will decide that they wanna do something about it. They don't know what to do. Um, so they hire uh, a consultant. A consultant will say, oh, there's this woman, Furiel Pearson, who is a queer Muslim woman who sometimes walks with a cane, who's married to a white atheist man and lives in Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, and she's from Kenya. Right. She, she is really like, um, she, she's really occupying a range of identities to speak from. Mm -hmm. And she's also occupying a range of identities that frankly trigger conservative snowflakes who hear the word Muslim and think that they have just invited some kind of ISIS terrorist to recruit the children of, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> Mullen, yep. Nebraska. That's plus exactly Nebraska. how they responded. They do. And they then start their stupid bored shit stirring in social media before she even sets foot in their town and she's the sweetest one right she is just the sweetest she really is <laughs> i mean her literally her area of interest is kindness and what she means by that is how can we just take a minute a minute to understand someone else's position and think of how to treat them with fairness and dignity that's what her horrible Muslim queer agenda is, right? <laughs> and so yep. they will start the rumor mill going and they are doing their 
Trumpster MAGA virtue signaling to each other, each one trying to outdo the next with how incensed they are that she's coming to their school. And by the time she gets there, that woman's life is in danger. And she goes there anyway, and she walks in in front of their auditorium and she does her spiel to their kids. And it, you know, it's become a routine now that the children are obnoxious. And I, I want to say, Plenty of them are not, right? There are plenty of kids at these schools that are there to hear what she has to say. And some of them are thankful, so thankful that someone is there to speak up for, for what they wanted to say for a long time. But there are these vocal contingencies in these schools that are obnoxious and hateful to this woman. And to, I, I can only imagine other visitors like her that come in and they are left to um, rule the roost by, by, uh, school administrators and adults that do not control the situation. And it happened, you know, 2019 when she went to Mullen, it happened um, when she went to Plattsmouth in 2020. And I was just thinking, what was it this week, last week that something came out here in Lincoln from Lincoln East High School? Mm -hmm. High schoolers doing the same kind of like, it's so hilarious for us to just see how fat, how, how fast we can say the N-word into a camera and in our, in our car. Um, there was this issue recently with a girl. Um, there was, there's a girl, she's a, a, a black kid out somewhere in Western Nebraska who had won this amazing competition where she had put in all of these. Oh hours. yeah. And she was out. Where was she? She was out not Sydney maybe, or it was something like that. Yeah. She had won this, like, she had reached this kind of rank that, I mean, I think it was like maybe her and at most one other kid in Nebraska had managed to pull this off that had to do with all of these different feats of like athleticism and independence, right? That you get, you get to this kind of gold medal status. And she was going to be acknowledged at a school board Zoom hearing for this remarkable accomplishment that nobody in Omaha pulled off, nobody in Lincoln pulled off, this kid out in um, Western Nebraska pulled off. And someone interrupts the Zoom meeting and begins calling her by disparaging racial terms. I mean, like this is happening all over our state. It was happening in January, it's happening in December. And it's, you know, I think, frankly, I think that there are people on the left or moderate people who like to kind of repeat this mantra that the kids are all right or that we're killing off um, fascism and the, these like benighted racial views one funeral at a time, right? As like, they age out. No, we're not. It's being replicated in communities all over our state by shitty adults that... Mm -hmm. uh, that um, feed this kind of TPUSA, Trumpster maggot, white supremacist, white nationalist, Hitler youth bullshit into their kids. They go to school, they get power trips off of um, bullying girls, um, students of color, disabled students, LGBTQ students. They get social rewards for it and they will graduate into usually an internship with Don Bacon. Um, <laughs> they will usually be rewarded by Jeff Fortenberry, Don Bacon, et cetera, with some kind of primo post. And, um, that's what their lives look like. And so it is not enough to say 
this is going away one funeral at a time. It goes away when we start making it clear that's completely unacceptable to act like this. So that plays out in policy too. So that is what's happening socially in Nebraska, right? And then of course we know it's happening in policy. Really boring, mundane policy. So one of the articles that we had, um, Morgan Freeman, she published um, an article about natural hair discrimination, which is primarily um, happening with black women. Right, this is a really big problem. And so she came advocate for that bill. And then she came and talked to us. She was one of the organizers for the first Black Lives Rally, Black Lives Matter rally in Omaha after George Floyd was murdered. And the legislature, in the context of all of the conversation around equality and justice for all, they passed the bill. And they made it illegal to ban natural hair discrimination. The bill went to the governor after the legislature was over and he vetoed it. And so it is still completely legal to discriminate based on black hair. So it matters. It matters that there's all this community racism happening all the time in our state, all across the whole state. It matters in, in policy. It matters in the politics. Of course, it bubbles up. April, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Um, I I liked Amanda's part about how they tend to be rewarded with um, political posts. Time and time again, someone does something shameful and we find a picture. Oh, that's Don Bacon's intern. Oh, that's Fortenberry's intern. Oh, that's uh, friends with... <laughs> Um, somebody who was at the TPUSA event. Oh, it, it's all interconnected and it's just gross. Well, Jeff Fortenberry's staff, his intern perhaps it was, was just recently at a protest after Kenneth Jones was murdered and she was caught haunting the bereaved family. Whether or not anyone agrees with how the bereaved family was practicing their grief in the public square is irrelevant. It is cruel and it is morally corrupt mm -hmm. and it is evil to go after the grieving like that. And I that's really, for our politician. I was really, I am just so fed up with this. And I'm fed up with it. I, I want to be very clear that I am here in a personal capacity and not, not as not as an employee of, of, of the university, but I will just mention that, you know, as someone who teaches young people of, of many backgrounds and walks of life, there are some super ambitious, smart, diligent 20-something college students out there that historically have competed for jobs like this. You know, um, uh, it wasn't too long ago, you want to be like a congressional intern, you need to be majoring something like political science, you need to be really good, you need to have these recommendations, because this is this kind of um, plum entree, right, into the world of politics or law school or whatever it is that you're kind of going for. And what we are seeing is abject mediocrity getting rewarded by our congressmen because they have limited the playing field, right? They've limited the talent pool 
to essentially white nationalist Trump bootlickers that um, yeah. and they and they give these positions out like little rewards and that that one I don't even remember her name I don't care to <laughs> but that that intern who was at and, and she had a kind of Milo Yiannopoulos cohort with her um, that you know just thinks that scandal and whatever is going to kind of get him some sort of fifteen minutes but the people that showed up to back the police and have their little like we love the cops or whatever signs at that at that protest i just thought for a minute i'm thinking you know what um there is a local nazi i really don't like right there's a guy in lincoln who's a literal nazi and he has a fellow i do not care for (laughs) and you know (laughs) if he got killed by the police which lol like the cops would kill a nazi in nebraska right even though he owns lots of guns but let's just say you know he died doing something um i cannot imagine showing up at a place where his family was grieving his death in order to protest his family I mean, like, it is grotesque, right? It is like a, I just thought, like, what has to be wrong with you that you decide that you're going to get your 10 minutes of pathetic Twitter fame by showing up to basically shove a middle finger in the face of of a family of a man who was just killed? Mm -hmm. I and, And, like, and, you know, we live in a state where our shithead, congressional reps reward that behavior because they have decided that they don't actually want talented, intelligent, ambitious young people serving them. They want little shitty bootlickers. Well, and here's the reality. There are, there are conservative young people who are not racist Nazis. They exist. There are many of them. Yes. In fact, in fact, most people in their 20s are not shitty racist Nazis. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, is that the Republican Party, that's all they have. And so to find people that want to intern and publicly say they support Donald Trump, all you get are shitty little bootlickers that everyone hates and it's the only place they can find that will employ them that's Um, right because normal people don't want to be affiliated with that there is there is a you know respectable long history of of conservatism right i mean of course there is and you're absolutely right about that that is not who these people are recruiting and drawing from and we all they're not finding the best and brightest they're finding the people that are like the most eager to dehumanize others because exactly. that's the only people who would want to work for the GOP these days. I mean, mm-hmm. we see this, this is of course a well-documented problem with the, with the Republican party nationally now, right? Is that they keep racing to see who can get the furthest to stupid, right? Like in their <laughs> primaries and their whatever, it's like who can court the most idiotic dumb fuck imaginable, the most anti-science, racist, misogynist, nationalist piece of shit imaginable in our country. That is the demographic that the Trump administration is courting. And every little signer on 
who bootlicks for the Trump administration is courting. That is not the same as historical conservatism, right? Those are two different things. They have left some people out in the cold. And, um, and I mean, you can just see, I think Nebraska is a fascinating place to live and to look at for a lot of reasons. I mean, we have this unicameral that has all kinds of implications for, for um, politics and how you can see things like primaries, you know, play out. But we have a, we have a low population at something shy of 2 million last I, last I looked, the size of some big cities, right? Yet we have the same basic infrastructure that any state would with two senators, right? Some congressional representatives, the state government. And so you can, you can almost see some things more clearly defined here. And then I think probably other low population states than you can in places that are messier and have larger, more diverse populations. And um, one of them I think is just the way that the, that the Republicans are racing to stupid to keep the party alive. You could see that a few years ago in Turning Point USA, mm-hmm. which just yeah. looks like it was designed by an octogenarian, um, you know, uh, <laughs> jackass who's like, what would do college students think? Where, oh, they like the word sucks. How about socialism sucks? Print out a million of those, Jeeves. <laughs> Send them to campuses and pay the kids. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They, don't have, they don't even have like... What they have is grassroots or things like the Proud Boys, right? And what they have other than that is Turning Point USA. That's how they also, back to Proud Boys. So when thinking back from this summer, um, the Omaha Police Department, after they, there was this big pro-police rally, which actually was a white supremacist rally. Um, There was lots of white supremacist signage, symbolism, and the Proud Boys were proudly in attendance and a and going back to why it's so important that we have a community of a progressive leftist um falling out of what we see in nebraska is because the omaha police department said they'd never heard of proud boys it is they're nationally known for violence if the omaha police department had never heard of them they're either lying or they're incompetent or both you know whatever we or in cahoots. Creighton University where professor was asked to apologize for calling a white supremacist rally a white supremacist rally, right? We, if we are not in community as a progressive left, if we are not, if we do not have places where we can hear and learn from each other, we do not have places where we take action, where we do not support those who put their lives on the line and march out in the streets to make Nebraska better, um, then we can't, what's not going to happen. And we know, we just know like one rally and we see, they try to take out faculty from a college in Omaha and then the Omaha police department says it's never heard of Proud Boys. I mean, and this is right around the time that they kettlebelled, what was it, 30 some protesters and seeing red was the only place you could find i think we published maybe around teen maybe a few less few more stories and many photographs of body damage done by omaha police to black lives matter um protesters in omaha so it's just i just kept seeing 
the value of of our work and you know not in an egotistical way but just where else is this coverage happening where can i go back and look at nebraska through the wrongs of the power structure and they're just there's hard there's hardly any places stephanie what was your um what's your takeaway in 2020 what are some things you remember? I want to leave everything in 2020. Um, <laughs> I, when it comes to the pod, my takeaway, uh, or I guess maybe my favorite things or most impactful things is I really enjoyed the interviews we did with folks who were on the ground and doing the hard work across our state, um, seeing a perspective that's uh, different than mine um, and really pushing me outside of my you know, little safe space that I've been living in in my basement since March, you know, with my adorable wow. seven-year-old. So I'm, you know, that I think is by far my favorite part. And I was also telling Amanda earlier that it's kind of a, a nice to have a place where these feelings I have where I'm like, this is all crazy. Like what's going on? Has everyone lost their minds? You know, like having other people that are like, yeah, this is crazy. Um, because so much of, you know, the narrative and living in a capitalistic, um, patriarchal society um, makes you feel like some of those feelings aren't right sometimes when they definitely are. Yeah. I mean, we talked to Jordan Corbin, who has was one of the people in the kettlebell. Mm -hmm. And he vividly described tear gas melting in his genitals on a hot summer night or five hours. I mean, I, that shook me. I'm still shaken. We talked to Jakeen Fox, who, because of his brazenness to say that he thinks Black Lives Matter and he is unwilling to compromise to make white people comfortable. The mayor kicked him off um, a queer task force that she has for the city, and he ended up losing his job over his activism this summer. You know, and let's we, not forget, too, that in Lincoln, you know, we saw maybe a smaller response in terms of protests, but... But we got Jazari. Young people. Yeah, but we, yeah, but we also had young people who were shot in the face with a rubber bullet. Mm -hmm. That yes. young woman had her nose almost torn off. Mm -hmm. She did nothing. <laughs> and... um. And two women got run over by a car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, nothing has been done for those people. Like, you know, her bills aren't being paid or anything like that. And. Um, well, April, I know you're getting drunk on classy wine. And I'm yeah, just I have <laughs> nothing but a candle. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, probably a reefer madness candle. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just going to say that, you know, I mean, there are these moments when, um, in recent years, when I, I've just been thinking, can we just take a step back and look at the basic bird's eye view here, right? Like, um, it's really easy, I think, to kind of incrementally get sucked into certain ideologies or ways of thinking about things. And I think that this happened, I mean, it's happened to me before, you know, it's, 
it's made me blind to things before. And I think it happens to other people too, but you can just take a step back and think, wait, just time out for a second. Why did a young woman get her nose almost blown in Lincoln, Nebraska, mm-hmm. when she wasn't threatening harm to anyone at all? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like, you know, I mean, like, why, why did a white man go downtown with a gun and sit in a darkened bar waiting to shoot someone in Omaha and then do it? And then he would have gotten away with it if, you know, they hadn't called in a special prosecutor, right? I mean, like, why is it that when you drive into Omaha, one of the first things you see if you're coming from Lincoln is a Nazi fortress that is broadcasting to you plain as day their affiliation with white nationalism? Mm -hmm. Like, there are just so many things where you can... um, train your brain to only think within the parameters of the kind of, I know, whatever, whatever the kind of Overton window is (laughs) that you're talking about today. Like, oh, well, he's defending himself, right? A man has a right. No, what you have is a situation with, you know, James Scurlock, right? And, and, And Jake Gardner. What you have is a situation that is completely unacceptable in any of our peer nations. It is completely unacceptable. Like, in any of our peer nations is completely unacceptable for a person to think I'm going to take a handgun as someone who by my own, you know, attorney's account has PTSD. I have access to a weapon, a lethal weapon, and I'm going to take that lethal weapon to a, to an area I have been told I should just stay away from in order to mm-hmm. avoid conflict I'm going to tell everyone that I'm going to go do this and I'm going to conduct a watch because I'm a big guy with, you know, something to prove. And I'm going to park my ass down there until I see someone to start shit with. I'm going to, my dad and I are going to start shit with them knowing that, you know, I had a handgun tucked into my pants. That's illegal, by the way, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a concealed carry license. And then when I start shit with people and they push me down, I'm going to shoot them dead. Which, you know, it's like if I, with anything else in this country, if I said something like, well, okay, you know, I, I know I took this chainsaw to um, the public park and then indeed ended up starting a fight and chainsawing someone to death, right? If it was anything else, the mere fact that he had carried the weapon there would be evidence of his guilt, but we have allowed our country to set this up so that it's completely permissible and fine and okay, supposedly, to tuck a fucking gun into your pants, to go down to a political protest and act like you're protecting the glass windows of your business. Right. I mean, like, you know, and so there are just these moments where you think, can we just take a time out and stop eating the shit that's being served to us on a spoon by some mm-hmm. of the political interests in the state and beyond like the national rifle association. And, and just think about the bare facts here, which is that a guy who by his own attorney's account has psych problems and never should have had access to a lethal weapon, took it to a place he was told not to be and laid in wait to start shit with someone and shoot them. And that that's not okay. Yeah. That what, you know, if he has stayed home that night or gone down there without a gun, at worst, what would have happened is he would have had to file an insurance claim for, you know, a, a broken piece of broken glass. 
And instead he shot a young man and killed him. He traumatized everybody who witnessed this. And he himself ended up committing suicide when he had to face the music for what he did. It's, you know, it's absurd. And there is no other country that we consider our peer in this planet that would tolerate that and would allow their equivalent of a district attorney to act like, well, no, sounds like self-defense to me. Right? Yeah, we don't need to investigate. We saw these peaceful young people, nose blown off and bruised and stuff like that for peacefully protesting the brutality that they see happening to people who look like them all the time. Meanwhile, we have actual dangerous anti-maskers mm-hmm. publicly flaunting these meetings they're having, these get-togethers they're having. They've already been warned at this particular business that they cannot be doing this, and yet nothing is happening to them. And then they get Larry the Cable Guy to show up to their anti-mask, you know, recall the mayor and city council baloney. Covered in like 18 dead animals. Right. Yeah. I can't, you know, the zoo needs to walk away from that. Yeah. I, and I don't see much about him at the zoo anymore, but let's hope that's over. But um, that's an actual danger in Mm -hmm. a pandemic. That's a danger. And nothing is done. Or like, let's say um, a person who dons a Hawaiian shirt right, to indicate that they are a, mm. a white supremacist person and carries firearms into our legislature. I mean, like, again, this is yep. one of these timeout. Let's imagine that you are just a naive person from somewhere in Europe or Japan or whatever, right? Like one of our peer nations. And you are asking for someone to explain this to you. You're not asking for, you know, dipshit from Omaha on Don Bacon's staff to explain it to you or the Omaha World Herald to explain it to you. You just actually want to understand this. And the facts you're confronted with are that in the state of Nebraska, United States of America, you can indicate to everyone around you that you are a literal fucking Nazi and carry a firearm into the house of government and you will be treated with the red carpet by at least one, I mean, like implicitly by all, mm-hmm. but one active state senator. I gotta say, That's I was there that day. Julie Slama, who sits on the Judiciary Committee, she left when we, when the proponents of a bill focused on suicide reduction started to. Julie, for just one minute, make clear that she was only there because she was appointed by necrophilia caillou aka pete ricketts our governor oh right <laughs> unelected. Not, yes okay unelected she left when we started to talk then she came back when she had heard we were done talking and the opponents of the bill were talking so we were walking out of the room and when you walk out of the judiciary room you had to walk by uh cl- Senator Clement's office, who had a We Love 2A sign welcoming all of the gun extremists to the House of Government. We walked by that sign, and here comes Senator Julie Slama walking in, stopped to shake the hand of an unstable 
Hawaiian shirt wearing bugaboo blue. <laughs> holding an assault weapon shakes his hand, thanks him for coming. And and that is uh, what we faced. It but was, no, that was just that was just an oopsie, right? Just like Pete Ricketts literally employing an actual Nazi on his reelection campaign was an oopsie. Just Who like the Omaha Kaor's grandson. Things mm-hmm. out with state senators. Just like, oh, the Omaha Police Department had no idea this year, also going, you know, <laughs> marketing back to 2020. They had the Proud Boys show up at their pro police rally, back the blue rally. And they play dumb. Oh, we have no idea right. who the problem So I just, you know, my point all along has been, let's just take them at their word for a minute. The Proud Boys are well known around the United States. If for no other reason than that, they start street violence. That's mm-hmm. like, the other thing is that they do not masturbate. Those are the two things I want to say about the Proud Boys. What? <laughs> you didn't know that? No. No, no, no. I am, I am so serious. This this cracks me up to no, know. Look at that, so angry. I was going to say, that's their problem. No, Melody, I cannot believe you. I cannot believe you did not know, we know We know women aren't going anywhere near them. No, Melody, they actually <laughs> believe that the only place their dicks belong is in the holiest of holies. They, uh-huh. uh, that, they, I mean, they're basically slightly gussied up in cells, right? They think that like... Yeah. <laughs> They think that they need to save their sweet, sweet white man seat. I don't want it. Not for their gym sock that they keep under their mattress. (laughs) No splooch for the gym sock. But for but for the blessed holy birth canal of a lady. So they cannot believe that. It's like out of I swear to God, it sounds like some cockamamie. I'm sorry, I said cock and cockamamie, but it sounds like some cockamamie theory. Peacock. From, from like you know, 1870 or something, right? Like, I mean, it's so it's so ridiculous. But, oh no, I said dick and ridiculous. <laughs> 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 oh god why are we drinking while podcasting this way okay so what is this we <laughs> i forgot about your cannabis candle april so, so after i read a lot of our i reread a lot of the blog articles and i was pretty bummed out like seeing what's happening in nebraska really bummed you out and kind of pivot from that i want to talk about like i think why we wanted to resurrect I said erect the pod. (laughs) Resurrect the pod. One of the things (laughs) I think that we tried really hard to do um, for ourselves and for you, the listener, is to find joy. To find joy because things have been bad in Nebraska pre-pandemic. Things were bad before George Floyd was murdered. Things were right. bad before James Sherlock was murdered. These are not new situations. Yeah. But the reality is you do live here and you have to find ways to bring meaning and joy into your life. And I think we did, like I was just remembering like all of April's bird nerd stories from the summer. <laughs> and we talked so much about the pool Stephanie installed. All of my gardening failures. Oh my gosh, marigold. Oh, oh the dog. You little dog. dirty diaper eater. 
Oh my, my painting. Painting. Yeah, April started painting. Mm -hmm. um, Stephanie gave us tons of gardening tips because she is a very serious gardener and we had actual farmers on the pod to talk about farming. And I think we did a good job and I, I hope we continue in 2021 finding ways that people can feel our joy with us, especially people who don't have progressive networks in real life friends you need mm -hmm. a place you can feel joy with others and you know doing a lot of laughing at the proud boys not masturbating i can't believe i didn't know that i can't either because i make jokes about it all the time well, i am I constantly like they make that like it. okay sign and I'm like, this is where their dicks cannot be. And <laughs> you're just like, what's she talking about? And I thought I made this brilliant <laughs> Proud Boys joke. Thank you, Stephanie. That's the reaction I wanted. <laughs> and now I know why. <laughs> I think you've been at home too much and telling all your jokes to your family and we haven't heard this one being oh quarantine <sighs> pandemic so, I, hope, I hope we keep going <sighs> and I hope that you know people keep because we've been getting stories from our listeners and sometimes we send pictures or um, oh my gosh I think the best thing we've gotten was a video of a squirrel doing incredibly smart things after April was talking about her battle with her local squirrel. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> you know, I think it's great to like have a space where we can talk about things that are really terrible in our state, but also find, find space for joy because you only get to live your life one time. You only get to raise your children one time. You only get to... Mm -hmm. Um, be with your parents for a short amount of time before they pass before you hopefully uh, it's before you and um you know you have to make that count too you can't you can't be you can't be sad all the time it's not good for you what i hear you saying melody is do not spill your seed upon the ground <laughs> what i am saying is everyone should masturbate more <laughs> it's Take called the golden you're at and ramp it up approximately 20 percent and for some people a little bit more yes i mean right. i mean it depends on where you are now but you know you just want to like get a good rub and rub wear a mask and masturbate it's the two m's of 2020 <laughs> we used to if be a respectable pod <laughs> in your mask no no well, that's no, for your no, gym sock you don't wear it after that, but just like if you want right. to like be a little freaky with yourself, have some weird sex. Like I don't know. I just had to shoo away. This episode is going to be door. rated. I had to keep them safe. It is, and I had to just keep one of my children safe from Melody. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean the one that your Melody helps to homeschool? <laughs> yeah, that's right. A real nice influence we have on our children. <laughs> okay let's wrap this up what is one thing that you're hoping for in 2021 it could it, it could be any topic like it doesn't have to be political it could be personal but it could be political um i, I am saying uh, my thing i am just 
I cannot wait for the Cheeto to be gone. <laughs> um, it's going to be a great day. I'm going to celebrate so hard. Like it's mm-hmm. going to be amazing. Um, I had a derogatory Trump sign that I've had for years and it got stolen, torn off a couple weeks after the election. And at first I was kind of salty about it and was like, well, put up another one. Cause I wasn't going to take it down till inauguration. And now I'm like, eh, you did some work for me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. but Ready? I am very much looking forward to that oh my gosh Stephanie what are you looking forward to uh I'm looking forward to seeing my college-aged daughter who um I won't get to see but and I'm also hoping for a vaccine that I get to put in my body so yeah those are the big like things. a proud boy's girlfriend no, no, no. I don't want anything near my body that has anything to do with the Proud Boys, okay? Don't do that to my vaccine. I'm looking forward to it. Both of them. How about yourself, Melody? Oh, I was going to make Amanda go next. I know. I see what you're doing, making the rest of us go first. <laughs> I know. I want to get some ideas. She's like a vaccine deferrer she like wants to see how it plays out before she goes yeah. but yeah i am so excited about vaccine and especially mm-hmm. a vaccine administered nationally by anyone by but uh donald trump's <laughs> yeah and um I'm, I'm super excited about that i am also excited by the fact that i think we are watching the demise of the national rifle association mm-hmm. They have finally, once and for all, been um, called out and caught for their bullshit. And like Al Capone, who went down for tax evasion or whatever, they're not going to go down for the over half a million Americans they killed. They're going to go down for the fact that their stupid, arrogant, shithead leaders have been breaking all the rules of 501c3s. And um, New York Attorney General ran on that, and she's going to, she's going to, She's going to make. She's a black woman. She's a black woman who is going to take down the death industry in this country, and I'm excited that I'm not excited by a whole lot about Joe Biden besides he's not Trump, but I am excited about the fact that he's one of the few people that want the repeal of PLCA, PLCA, Mm -hmm. Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, which is basically the legal reason why the firearm industry cannot be sued out of uh, out of existence. If we win the Senate we stand a prayer of um, repealing that. And uh, it could mean that guns go the way of tobacco. Well, I am excited for 2021. Um, I'm not excited for the state legislature. I think it's going to be terrible. And I think everybody, if you're not engaged in any kind of advocacy, if you're not following advocacy organizations and things you care about like it's time because it's really going to be a big deal mm-hmm. uh next year but that's what, i'm not excited for ernie chambers to be out of the legislature um i'm not excited for that i am excited to have a grown-up in the white house who they know they know that they have got a very short window of time to get shit done they know mm-hmm. that if they do not provide meaningful policy where the regular American citizen can look around and say, when Joe Biden became president, my life got materially better. Mm -hmm. And if they don't do that, they will 
more Republicans will get into office and Obama will, or not Obama, Biden will be a lame duck president. So he's got two years for everybody to see material change in their lives. And I think he has deep rooted foundational knowledge in federal government, how it works. He knows all of the most experienced people and they know what's on the line. They know what they they know what the country has lost and they know how far, how much more it can lose. It can mm-hmm. always be worse. And so I, ever the hopeful, I predict that in 2021, we are going to see that our lives are materially better. I think everyone um, from people that live in poverty to people that consider themselves the middle class, um, we're going to see some material change i think they're not fucking around Mm -hmm. and i'm looking forward to that because it has been a terrible 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 four years and it was we all thought it would be bad anybody who paid attention to politics knew it would be bad and it was perhaps worse than we thought and and that it was so bad that all the women got together around the country to start marching, which we've never done. Like, that's how bad it was. We knew it would be bad. We knew we knew who was elected, and it was even worse. So I really am hopeful that the Democrats in Congress feel significant pressure to fix some systemic broken shit. From climate to guns to the economy to COVID to everything. I think we're going to see it. And I think even if you don't pay attention to politics, you will be like, oh, maybe I don't have a shitty healthcare company that charges me $800 a month, but still charges me $200 every time I go in for something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think that stuff's going to change. Mm-hmm. I guess also locally or statewide, I really hope that we can start finding some other people to run for governor who um against republicans and we this the time to start is yesterday but let's hope some good candidates emerge yep um all right is anybody reading i have to confess i have not been a great reader because i can feel the winter solstice coming in and i just can't handle complicated thinking right now but is anybody Mm -hmm. else being able to like fight through that and read um I have been listening to an audiobook because that's my capacity right now. Typically, if I lay down to read, I just fall asleep or sit down to read, I just fall asleep. But um, audiobooks, um, I listen to a lot. And I know that uh, President Obama has published several books, but um, he had one that recently released back in November called A Promised Land, and it's really good. Um, I don't know why I find it very moving. I find it very interesting to listen to a lot of the nuances behind a lot of the decisions he was making early in his presidency. Um, It talks about his election and whatnot. And for some reason, it makes me pretty teary sometimes. Um, And I have a lot more respect for the work. I already had a lot of respect for him, but a lot of respect for um, the work that he did um, the sacrifices he made and the hard decisions he had to make and a lot of the sacrifices his family had to make too. So um, highly recommend. Great. Thank you. Well, you know, we, we don't promise not to come back until 2021. You never know <laughs> if something interesting comes up that we're going to want to make a pod. Uh, but 
as far as we know, it was the last pod, and we really appreciate you listening to us. We appreciate you. And our patrons. Uh, patrons are the best. Like, our patrons, like, we constantly say, like, like, Melody and I yesterday did, like, a set something down in the yard to pass it to each other kind of thing so that we weren't near each other. And, um, my, and we're constantly, like, can you believe people pay us? So that we can keep this blog and stuff going. <laughs> we, we can't believe pay, we pay the domain renewal fees. today. That's right. We pay the domain renewal. We pay the fees, you know, things like that. Um, but no one's getting paid in any other capacity. It's just keeping things going. And we just can't believe it because we also know that most of our patrons are hearing about it from the pod. And we're like, that means people are listening to the pod. Mm-hmm. What? It's just nuts. But we, we just grateful. really appreciate you all listening with us. And we appreciate when you give us ideas for things you want us to talk about, when you tell us parts that you thought were really funny or poignant or whatever. Um, we just, we really appreciate you. And we hope that we have been serving you. And we hope we can continue to serve you in 2021 and be an important space for progressive politics in Nebraska. And you know what? If you start your own pod, we will like celebrate you. We will talk mm-hmm. about you. We will like be like, hey, come on our pod and advertise your pod. And we will share about it. Like, just do it. We need more people talking. All right. Happy New Year. Happy Solstice. Adios 2020. <laughs> Good to see Bye. you guys. Bye. You've been listening to Seeing Red Nebraska, Politics from the Left. Seeing Red is a group blog edited by citizen volunteers and entirely devoted to Nebraska politics. You can support us on Patreon with a $5, $10, or $20 a month donation. Be sure to check us out at seeingrednebraska.com and on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at seeingredne or contact us via email at seeingredne at protonmail.com.